Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. If you'd like to go with me in your Bibles, I'd like to start in Matthew chapter 1. I have a question before I start reading. Can you see your need for Jesus? Can you see your need for him? I think sometimes we see things a certain way and then God sees things a certain way. And I think one of the challenges for us as we walk the earth is to learn not to see things through our perspective only, but to see things through God's perspective. Because God looked at humanity in a lost world and he said, they need my son Jesus. And he saw our need, and he sent Jesus. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 1 that Joseph was thinking about the things that were happening. And in verse 20, it says that while Joseph thought about these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And I'd just like to point out that God's Spirit is what intervened in human history that brought forth God's Son, Jesus. It was the Spirit of God that birthed the Son of God, which was the first miracle of this covenant. And it's the Spirit of God dwelling in us now that are going to produce the results that we want to see as we live the Christian life. It's the Holy Spirit that we need now with us. He's our greatest need. That'd be a good place to say amen. And the Bible says, she, brought forth, she will bring forth the Son, this is the angel talking, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. I would just like to boldly declare today that God's with us. I just want to just preach a very simple message and say that God... uh, sent Jesus so that he could be with us. God sent Jesus to his disciples so that Jesus could be with them, so he could walk with them, so that he could teach them, so that they could learn to follow him, so that he could be involved in their lives, so that they could learn to depend upon him. We were singing this morning that old hymn. I hope you were singing with us. Uh, Jesus, we're depending on you to see us through. 
When Jesus was walking the earth, he calls his disciples apart and he said, come and follow me. And he became their very life. The Bible says that they left father and mother. They left their job and that they were now following him and depending upon him. And he was going to be with them. Uh, and he would never leave them or forsake them. But that they could learn to depend upon him. And it was his very presence that did that for them while he was on the earth. God with us. And now that Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father, he said, I want you to receive the promise of my Father, which is the Holy Spirit. He's going to dwell with you. He's going to guide you. And he'll never leave you or forsake you. He's going to be everything to you that I was to you when I walked the earth. And I want you to see your need for him as you saw your need for me. You know, today there's a lot of with Zoom and Google Meet, there's a lot of things being done now where people are able to give a lot of individual attention to people. There's a lot of on mentoring in the world today where you can get in touch with somebody. Amen? I mean, mentoring is a good thing. And God really wants us to do that. But God has designed for us to have a personal mentor a personal guide, somebody that we could connect with every day because we need him and he's made himself available to us. Amen? So the Bible says God is with us. So a very simple question, why did Jesus come to the earth? The Bible says right here that it says that he came to save his people from their sins. The word save there is the same word that's used throughout the New Testament which means, it's sozo, it means to bring salvation. In some instances of the Bible, it talks about, uh, the word is translated deliverance. In some areas of the Bible, the word is translated healing. In some areas of the Bible, the word is translated help. But the point is, when Jesus is with us, we get help, hallelujah. When Jesus is with us, we get deliverance. When Jesus is with us, he brings healing. He brings everything we need, Amen. So, and, and I forgot the word I wrote down a couple weeks ago, but let's stick with the word why. Why did Jesus come? He came to save. Primarily, he came to save us from our sins. That's the open door right there. The first problem is we have to deal with sin. And when God deals with sin in our life, the door is open now for us to receive everything that righteous sons and daughters enjoy. We can now have a guilt-free relationship with God because we have become the righteousness of God in Christ. We can be comfortable in our own skin dwelling with God. This is quite a miracle. I mean, we talk about God's with us, amen. The Lord be with you, you know. But you think about it. Think about Jesus. Think about who he is. Think about who God is. And he says, I want to come down and I want to get involved in your life. I'm condescending. This is a mighty thing if we could capture it. God wants to dwell with us. God wants to be with us. Sometimes I say, you know, honey, how, how come you like me? You know, I know. Sometimes I just out of the blue. I say, you know, how come you like to be here? I don't think I'm all that great, you know what I mean? But she kind of likes me. And that's the greatest, one of the greatest things in my life. That, you know, that, that, but that God, he actually loves us. And he wants to be with us. Amen. That makes me happy today. 
You know, he had an effect on people when, they, when he walked the earth. When he came and he delivered that Gadarene demoniac, remember him in Mark chapter 5? The Bible says that that guy, nobody could restrain him. He was out in the forest cutting. He was cutting himself, and he was screaming and crying out, and that he would even break the chains. Now, this situation for this guy in the Gadarenes was pretty severe. Nobody could help him. But the Bible says that Jesus stopped by just to deliver that guy. The Bible says that he delivered him from a whole legion of demons. And that after Jesus was done with him, he was sitting and he was in his right mind and he was at peace. Say amen. That's so many of us. But, you know, that guy had one desire after it was all done. Anybody know what it was? He said, Lord, I just want to be with you. He asked him. He said, And when he had gotten into the boat, he, the Gadarene demoniac, we don't have his name, who had been demon-possessed, begged him that he might be with him. That's all he wanted. It's like, Lord, I've never met anybody like you before. Somebody that would go out of their way, that would risk their life. This guy could have killed him. He was, he was quite a scene. Somebody that would go out of their way, that would come and deliver me. Uh, and not only that, but how I many know Jesus was ostracized in that town because of the deliverance that he brought to that guy. They rushed him out of there. They didn't want anything to do with him. They said, we've never seen anything like this before. This is weird. Get out. So Jesus said, that's fine. I'll leave. But he said, I want you to go, and I want you to tell your friends and your family what the Lord has done for you. He wanted to be with him. How many know that Mary Magdalene was one of the first to go to the tomb when, after Jesus died? They, they couldn't keep her away. She just had to get there. My Lord, my Lord, I've got to be with him. I've got to see him. I've got to be with Jesus. What drove Mary to that tomb? Well, you know what? She was another hopeless case. And he delivered her from seven demons, the Bible says. Can you imagine the torment and the things that that woman went through? But the Bible says that Jesus gave her her life back, and she learned a secret while he was on the earth. All I got to do is stay right behind him, and I'm all set. He delivered me from seven demons. He totally changed my life. He totally set me free, and now I'm just going to follow close behind him. And when he left the earth, that was the greatest threat that she could have ever had. She was beside that tomb. She was crying. She was weeping. She was beside herself. She said, I don't know how to live without him. That's the way we are. The problem is we forget sometimes our need for him. You see, somebody with authority walked into her life. The key is, for all of us, somebody came in with the key. And it's Jesus. He's got the keys. He's got the authority. Somebody walked into that hospital room. Somebody walked into that dark bar room. Somebody walked into that one-room house. Somebody walked into that social situation. Somebody came in with authority that could change things. And it's Jesus. And he's still changing things in our lives. He's still molding us into the people that he wants us to be. He's still guiding us. He's still leading us. He's still bringing the life of God to us through the Holy Spirit of God. And he wants us to be with him. Our greatest need today is to be with him. What are the qualifications of an apostle? The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 2. How do we do the things that Jesus wants us to do? 
on the earth today? How do we be the people that he wants us to be? The Bible says in Mark chapter 2 that Jesus, in verse 13, if you're following with me, I'm sorry, Mark 3, 13, that Jesus went up on the mountain and called to him those that he himself wanted, and they came to him. And they appoint, excuse me, and then he appointed 12, watch this now, he appointed them. He gave them the merit badge. He says, you're chosen. You're one of them. And he, the Bible says he called them. He summoned them. This is an official word. He says, you, Frank, you're right in front of me. I want you with me. Now watch. Okay, Jesus, what do you want me to do? That they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power and to heal sickness and to cast out demons that sounds good to me I'd like to do that number one be with him the Bible says that he went about the earth doing good and healing all that were sick delivering those that were oppressed of the devil for God was come on with him you see the the centurion was considered the man with some of the greatest faith in the Bible. You say, that's a story about authority. Yeah, absolutely. But what is authority, really? It's the power behind the person. The, the centurion recognized, um, yeah, I got this one. You're not doing this by yourself, okay? When you say things, there's guys behind you that make this stuff happen. And Jesus said, that's it. This guy's got it. And that's the key. That's the trick in our lives. When we're walking the earth, God wants us to come into a place of fruitfulness. God wants us to come into a place where things are flowing, you know, where things are working out, where we're moving and we kind of just have that, uh, they call it the, the, this gel, the sweet spot, you know. And that's where it is, walking with Jesus, where he's doing the heavy lifting. Amen. That guy's got it, Jesus said. I've never seen faith like that before. And the same promise that God gave to, excuse me, the same power that was with Jesus when he walked the earth, God promises to us. And in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus says, listen guys, I want you to clarify and simplify things. And that's really what I would say is what I feel in my heart for today. God wants to clarify and simplify. All we have to concern ourselves with is to be with him. To be in his presence. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, Jesus came and he appeared to them. They said, Lord, let's, what's going to happen here to the nation of Israel? How's this going to work out? He says, guys, no. We don't, it's not up to you to know times and seasons. Get it off your mind. I don't want you worrying about those things. Very much like Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, guys, listen, I don't want you to worry about your life. I don't want you to worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. I don't want you, money, money, don't worry about that. I want your primary focus to be on me and seeking me, and yeah, we'll take care of that stuff. This is very much the same here. Yeah, the times and the seasons are going to work themselves out in the fullness of the Father's timing. Yeah, it's going to work out, guys, just like God said it would. But in the meantime, say that with me. Say, in the meantime, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem 
and in Judea and in Samaria and to all of the ends of the earth. This is our greatest calling, to be witnesses for Jesus on the earth. Each one of us is a witness to him. Each one of us has a personal witness about how he has impacted our lives, and it's that simple. You say, Lord, you know, the, the world, I need you in my life. I have needs in my life, and I don't even know that I can articulate them, Lord, but I know I have a need. God says, yeah, I know. It's for the Holy Spirit, and it's for power. I want you to receive it. I want you to have it. Lord, my family, there there are people in my family, my kids, they need you, God. They need to... I need to see you move in my family, Lord. I need to see your power, Lord, in my family. God, I need it. He says, I know. I want you to have it. But I want you to receive power and the Holy Spirit. And when you're dwelling in power and the Holy Spirit, it's going to have an effect on them. Say, Lord, I need you. This world is dying, Lord. It needs you, Lord. We need to create a campaign for evangelism. We need to reach out to a world that's lost and dying. They need to receive what we have received. Lord, how are we going to convince them? How are we going to bring them in, Lord? They don't want anything to do with you. But he says, listen, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be witnesses unto me. It's you that I'm concerned with. It's power that I'm concerned with. There's power for you today. And it's when you are dwelling with me in my presence. That's how we can become witnesses to the world. And this came as a great surprise to me and relief. Because you know how it is. There's so many strategies you go on YouTube, you go, there, there's a five-step plan to everything. There's different strategies, and they're good strategies. And if God leads us into strategy, praise the Lord. But our primary need is for the Holy Spirit and power. We need power today. And that power is found by dwelling with him. In the first church, the disciples got called out on the carpet for uh, a miracle, and the Pharisees brought them before him. And in Acts 4... 13, the Bible says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men. And they were astonished, and they took note of these men, that they had been with who? With Jesus. So what is it that gave these guys courage? What is it that showed them how to answer these people that were questioning them? It was the fact that they had been with Jesus. Amen. Um. Praise the Lord. David learned the secret. David actually enjoyed God's presence. And Lord, give us, give us that heart that just... The Lord is my light and my salvation, Psalm 27. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I'll be confident. One thing. Say that with me. One thing. David learned the secret. He didn't have one of those fancy bags with a laptop and a lot of different resources and a long resume, not that those things are bad. He didn't have a network of connections that could assist him 
as soon as he texts them in a moment. He said, I need one thing. That have I desired of the Lord, and guys, that's what I'm going after. I went after it back then, and it worked. I remember that lion and that bear. I called on the Lord. It worked. I was living in Saul's palace. He was trying to kill me. I would call upon the Lord. His arrow would miss. I had marital problems. I was living. Saul gave me his daughter, but then tried to get her to trick me. I made it through all that stuff. And here's how I did it. One thing. I was concerned about seeking God and making sure that everything I was doing, he was with me. One thing if I desire to the Lord, that will I also seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now watch this. To behold the beauty of the Lord. And we were singing that song earlier. Just to, my beloved, most beautiful, there's nobody like Jesus. Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, Paul had one concern for the Colossian church. He says, listen guys, I have a great burden that you would attain to the fullness of the understanding of both the knowledge of the Father and the Son. As long as you guys have that, you don't need anything else. You just need him. Listen, in him, the Bible, you can look it up later, are the, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Everything we need, it's in him. But you know, sometimes we... We pray knowing what we need. The Bible says, no, 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 no. You come before the Lord and you inquire. Notice David was inquiring in his temple. The Bible says God knows what we need before we pray. So we have to come into God's presence and say, God, you are God Almighty and you're greater than me. I'm sorry if that's elementary. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We have to understand how great God is and how little we are. The Bible says in Romans 11, you say, wait a minute, hold on a second. I've been to Bible school. I've been in church 20 years now. I've got all this figured out. Well, Paul said that God's ways are past finding out. He says it in Romans 11, 33. And he, in, in the context here, He's discussing how the nation of Israel has fallen away that the Gentile church might come in. He uses Pharaoh as an example. He said, God hardened the heart of Pharaoh continually. How many know that Pharaoh wasn't stupid? I mean, nobody would keep rebelling against God like that, looking at those miracles. How many know, like after the, like Pastor Ned said this the other day, after like the third time that God wiped him out, it's like he's not going to rebel again, but that God literally turned the heart of Pharaoh hard so that he would keep rebelling against God, and so that God could continually keep showing forth his power and his miracles. So the nation of Israel became hard so that the fullness of the Gentiles would come in. And you might say, God, that's not fair. I thought you were a nice guy. You're not allowed to harden people's hearts. Paul said, wait a minute. We're talking about God here. 
For God has committed to them all the disobedience that he might have mercy on all. Now that grates against our minds. But watch what he says here. Oh, the depth and the mercy, Romans 11.33, of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. So we have to realize our need for God when we come before him and when we pray, it's like, God, you show me. I think I have it all figured out, but your ways are past finding out and I'm going to seek you for wisdom. Amen? The Bible says that in Exodus, when God brought the Egypt, uh, demolished the Egyptians, he says, you've seen what I did to them and how I bore you on eagles' wings and I brought you where? To myself. God's greatest desire is for us to be with him. And it's interesting that the wilderness was a place that God had ordained for the people of Israel to learn to seek him, for them to learn to depend upon him. But it was actually the place that turned them against God. In our times of greatest need, that's when we have to learn that we need to be with him. It's those times where we have to be careful that our hearts don't get hard because of situations and circumstances, but we continue to open our hearts and seek God and depend upon Him. We were at the soccer field yesterday, and there was a bald eagle circling the soccer game. That's something you see every day up at Lee Town Park. And <clears throat> beautiful bald eagle, and it was just circling like this, right over the field. And there was this other little bird, smaller bird, that was pestering this eagle. It, like, it wouldn't leave it alone. It's, and it was actually starting to annoy me, because I was just enjoying watching this thing soar over the field. They're beautiful And I, I was just reminded that no matter what the devil's trying to do in our lives, that God still wants us to open up our hearts, open up the wings, and to dwell in his presence. That, that eagle there, it didn't, it didn't phase him one bit. The only time he even gave a flap was when the thing got in its way. He just continued to soar. He just continued to move. In God's presence. And it's in God's presence, dwelling with him, that we find our strength and our power. And I'll close with this. In Psalm 95, David encourages us today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, they tried me, Though they saw my work, for 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, it's a people who go astray in their hearts. They do not know my ways, so I swore my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. We have to open our hearts to God. We have to keep our hearts open to God. We have to, as a daily practice, say, Lord, I open my heart. Here I am, God. I want to dwell with you. I need you, Lord Jesus. And this is the second closing. Sorry. Matthew 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. You know the verse. 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The answer to our burdens is the presence of God. Rest, true rest, comes from God's presence. How many know you can sleep and not really rest? That was me last night. Sleep doesn't mean rest. But God, notice, and I'll just, with this one visual, the yoke. A yoke connects two people. The beasts of the field would be yoked together, and it would cause them to walk together. God wants us to be yoked with him. And he's the one that can remove the burdens, the heaviness. Father, we just pray today for rest in your presence. Father, we pray today, I pray today that we would see our need for you, Lord, to dwell with you, Lord, every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.